And we're back. Better than ever. At least we'll find out. Oh, this is uh, KG in the Fifth Wheel Rock. And then we do another podcast. How you doing out there, world? For the Wattcast, go ahead and hit with those scores, sir. All right, let's start off for the weekend. 100 years of football. Right, celebrate this weekend. Home opener win against Purdue, 24-22. Got one more Big Ten uh, uh, scheduled, uh, scheduled only uh, for football against Northwestern later on in the month. They went to uh, Winnesaka with a nil-nil tie against number 20 BYU on the road. Women's volleyball lost to Pacific 3-2 on the road. U of H football. Went and rolled up North Texas State 48 23. Women's soccer got their first win of the season. 9 0 over Texas Southern. Women's volleyball went 2 1 over the weekend at the UK Invitational. HBU women's soccer got shut out 3 0 against uh, SFA. The men's soccer lost on the road to Butler 2 1. Uh, University of St. Thomas, men's soccer, lost on the road in Hattiesburg, Mississippi to William Carey, 5-1. TSU lost a heartbreaker, a heartbreaker to Prairie View. Five years running, the story of being a king-sized view, 37-34. Uh, women's soccer, as we uh, mentioned earlier, lost the year of age now. San Jack, uh, men's soccer beat... Uh, uh, Lombard 6 0 and went to a nil nil tie against NT Northeast uh, Texas Community Co- uh, College. And women's volleyball last week went 5 2 in the uh, uh, Woodlands Invitational. And that uh, is my score, college local scores for the weekend. And this is the Fifth Ward Wildcat. Now, uh, my compadre across the way, where shall we start? Uh, the the PV uh, yeah, let's, let's let's start with uh, Prairie TSU. Both of us were there. <laughs> yes, and what a game! It started out looking like it was going to be lopsided or one sided or whatever, and then it what slipped from from your foot from. I was down on the field and you were up in the stand, up in the press box. From your sidelines, what did you see? What what happened? Well, I mean, TSU defense dominated the first half, uh, but the kicking game let them down, and Prairie View ran back and kicked off for a touchdown for their score. It was one game at halftime, and despite the fact Prairie View had, like, I think 12 yards of total offense in the first half. So, you know, TSU led by one third quarter. Prairie offense started to get on track a little bit. TSU running game was, was very, very effective with previews as they started to adjust and force TSU to pass the ball a little bit more. That's not TSU's strength, as you and I both know. But even that, TSU led into the fourth quarter 34-20. to 20. Uh, But after TSU scored to go by 14, PV had the best drive of, of the game up to that point. Marched down the field, led by, and I don't get his name right, Jerry Lovelock. Yeah, freshman. That's how you that. And, uh, I mean, they opened up the offense a bit more, had some more uh, movement, little option plays. They scored 34-27. TSU couldn't do anything. You know, it hurts when you have 6-yard punts and 12-yard punts and things like that and, 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 yeah. and getting field goals blocked and returned back to the 1-yard line. And then Prairie tied it up at 34. And at that point, I was like, well, this game's going to go into overtime. Because it still was maybe two minutes left. Yeah. And TSU 
offense couldn't move. Uh, they were, I think, around their own 20 or so, and they punted. Bad punt. Another bad punt for 12 yards. So with a minute and change left, Gravy had the ball in TSU territory, and then he did enough to get in a field goal position and kick the winning field goal. And, 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 folks, this is where it really got interesting. You, you get to it, they take the ball, short yardage, they get another first down, get an opportunity, and then this is where it got crazy. You get a, uh, a freshman who's kicking for the first time, in his career, Chris Barrett, and that guy comes out on the field in a either to tie, win, uh, going overtime, whatever, however you want to look at it, takes his shot, goes to the uprights, and with less than, what, three seconds left to go on the clock, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken? He kicked it with about nine, about four and a half when it went through. And game is over. Now, you're talking about Going from it was like a roller coaster ride, both sides up screaming and hollering. Ball goes through the the, through the uprights, referee's arms go up, and the T, uh, Texas Southern Tiger Nation was it was shell shocked. It was shell shocked. De- devastated. I mean, it was like they couldn't believe what had happened. And, and to be honest with you, folks, I was shocked at the crowd that was there. It was a great crowd at, at Del Mar. You know, it was you know, standard rule only, really. And and once again, I don't know, I, you can attribute it to Marlton, but I, I trip, personally, I attribute it to school being there. Because normally when late day classic is, is happens, no kids are in the process of just moving into Donald's. They hadn't got classic point started yet. Point. So it was basically, everybody was in here, everybody was in town, game, a home, a home game for, for both teams. Because uh, three of you went on the road to Florida, and and Will Cookman just embarrassed them. I mean, on that, oh, you were on national TV, and you embarrassed the conference, literally. But that was, uh, if I'm correct, that was another quarterback TV play in that game against Will Cookman. Right. And then now they made a change to uh, Love Lock, and he. This is another situation where once again, first game out the block. The guy that, that gets the job in the spring, starts fall practice, takes that first game, doesn't last long, gets pulled. Second guy comes in, or the third guy, whichever one of the second, the, the depth chart guys, uh, quarterbacks, gets his shot, and the following week in practice, the second game, takes over the team, and they rolls into the season. This was Lovelock's first start, true freshman. Comes in, he looked totally lost in the first half. No doubt. And it was, I don't know, coach mentioned at halftime that they basically told him to just settle down. Don't worry, you know, forget about the first half. Just take care of things <laughs> and manage the game. Just watch to the sidelines. Watch the clock that's in front of you. And then just move the team. Folks, they went to doing what they do best. And when they won... When Prairie View and Texas Southern have won this way, championships the last two times, they have gone, you went to the run game. They put the ball on the ground, turned guys loose, and it's opening. And when it opened up, he, Lovelock, made several throws in the second half, one to number 81 and the other one to number one. These guys snatched balls out of the air from every which, every which way. 
and it looked more like a like they were ready to roll. Yeah, DeAndre, excuse me, DeAndre Cooper caught one of the touchdowns. I think touchdown to tie um, it. Great pass. Then Texas Southern settles on uh, Parker to come in the second half and just take control and teach you deal what they did. Get a ball to right, get a ball to Gilbert, and folks. Now take Southern fan, take Southern ball. It was ground and pound. You know, they, their running game was effective until fourth quarter after they got the lead. But when they needed to move the ball, they couldn't move the ball. And they couldn't keep it away from, from PV. And, and the, the kicking game killed TSU. It's really why they lost the game. Um, I'm not going to dwell on it. I mean, I know they were having some guys injured, and, and it wasn't their usual punter, et cetera, et cetera. But you can hear the, the, the post-game uh, uh, <coughs> quotes and all uh, straight from Coach's mouth. You know, basically said that it was special teams, you know, is what would get to But where can folks hear these they comments? They can hear these comments at www.kingsideview.com. Hit that hot button. That, that, that hot button on the, on the front page that says the College Sports Reporter, Fifth Ward Wildcat, Jerry Woodley, and you will hear Coach Ram, uh, Kevin Ramsey's comments directly after the game. You'll also hear from the previous coach, Heishen, Heishma, North, Coach North, right, Coach North. He's, I told him I said Coach, just pronounce your name because. You and I, it's, it's Michael Padre and I, we've been taught by professionals. Don't be butchering people's names. Right. Have them say it. And then you, 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 you go with that. Go with that. And uh, I also spoke to a couple of, uh, uh, especially the quarterback from Love Life, from the immediately after the game, and also kicker uh, Barry uh, from Prairie View. Uh, from Texas Southern, I talked to uh, Barker. Um, Moses uh, with the Arkansas lineman, uh, what is it, Avalaz, I think that's what his uh, last name is. I'm not looking at my sheet now in front of me. Wow, uh, Moses Alvidrez. Yes, yeah. This guy, he can, he can block. He can get things done. And you always got to, at some point during the season, you got to recognize offensive line. Because when they do a job, they do a job. He mentioned about some things, and folks, you can hit that at uh, www.kingsideview.com. Hit that hot button that says the College Sports Report. Um, now, we're not going to, you know, we, hey, we're not, I don't want to uh, go soft on this. You know, Cougar, Houston Cougars won, beat North Texas 48-23, started slowly. Yeah, the kicking it. game was problematic for much of the game. And at halftime, 20 to 17, offense got in track in the second half and and not scored. Mean Green 20 to six. I don't want to get into to too much detail because honestly, I didn't watch the game like a you know like I did text letter and preview. Um, but, but the second game that well, the first game that day was uh was right 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 And I'm gonna tell you folks, uh, it wasn't a bad crowd, but it could have been better. Should have been better. You know, it's a hundred years of football, and people. I'm gonna tell you, it was great. It was a great weather too. And and once again, then you came in from out of town. They got lucky. You know, breeze and I started as soon as the game gets started. So, but Big Ten, Big Ten, whatever they are or whatever they will be, those teams they pound the ball. Speaking of that, sir, <laughs> that's a nice little segue. Let's talk about whatever they will be, Big, big 12. Because we don't know what's going on, folks. As we speak right now, there are a lot of conversations going on in, this, in, in the area. And it's basically the comments that we you've been hearing here on a weekly basis about, you know, where possibilities and all the craziest, I think, 
came up yesterday about Texas moving to the ACC, and and that came up again last night, late I'm night. Glad and, and, and that, I'm glad you mentioned How, that, sir. I'm glad you mentioned that. You're talking about a football program that's going to a basketball yeah. foundation. I'm going to mention, I'm going to uh, read some information posted on orangeblood.com. And this, this is in that free area because, you know, I'm not going to spend a dime on the uh, involves Longhorns. Um, but they have five reasons why the ACC can make more sense for Texas than the Pac-12. I won't go into details, but uh, one, first one is interesting and, and it, you know, it's legitimate. We are the student-athlete. Uh, <laughs> you know, and even, you know, obviously he says it, it's more about uh, – <laughs> it's not really about student athletes. We all know it's about money, of course. But the reason is, student athletes would be, would be gaining an hour by traveling back to Austin from Eastern Time Zone, rather than going losing two hours when they, if they travel from the West Coast back to Austin. Because that makes sense. And so, academically, so just, just one time zone, is it, rather than two, is, is that the only thing that's, that's a headache right now? Well, I mean, that, is, that was some of the reasons that last year when, when regarding uh, team going to the Big Ten. In travel uh, was uh, was a time zone and travel thing like that. So that is a legitimate reason. Now, academically, ACC is probably better suited for most of for Texas compared to uh, some of the teams in the Pac-12. One of the numbers is the Pac-12 has good academics as well, thanks to Stanford ranked fifth, Cal twenty-first, UCLA USC UCLA ranked top, in top twenty-five, Washington forty-two. For the other half of the Pac-12, schools are ranked from 94 to 138, compared to schools in ACC, ranked from as Duke to 10 to as low as 101, Florida State and NC State. So there's there's that. Another thing, of course, we're getting into the real sports and what matters: football. ACC has Florida State, Miami, and Virginia Tech. Not much difference between USC, Stanford, Oregon, basketball-wise. Mm. Duke, North Carolina, let's be real. Pac-12, UCLA, and that's it. In terms of basketball, respectability, nasty known, you know, it's, that's, it, that's the truth. I mean, UCLA has 11 national championships, you know, Coach Wooden's program, Duke, North Carolina. So, there we go there. Non-Revenue Sports also mentioned an article from basketball and ACC. That's big-time basketball. Yeah. It's, better, it's better than the Pac-12 overall, without a doubt. You know, Stanford is Stanford and everybody else in the, in the women's basketball as far as, as, far as the Pac-12 is concerned. Yep. Baseball, ACC baseball. Florida State, Clemson, Carolina, Georgia Tech, Miami, Virginia. Those are all legitimate, excellent baseball programs. And a kicker, last, fifth reason, the most important reason, the Longhorn Network. They can keep the Longhorn Network, keep the money in the ACC. Folks, I want to just throw up. I so just wanted to throw up. That's the reasons about. that they have. And they also mentioned a few other reasons monetarily the Longhorn Network is, is you know, let's be realist, people. That's, that's the main reason why they would choose AC, possibly choose the ACC. Because Pac-12, from the early reports, is they were not, Longhorns would have to share the money from the network with their other members, and that's not going to fly. Most of us believe that. So, 
there's reasons for the Longhorns to choose the ACC. I think it's asinine for a school in Texas to be playing in the ACC. But nobody asked me for my opinion on this. Okay. But, you know, I have no problems with Duke. Women's basketball coming to Austin. North Carolina women's basketball coming to Austin. I don't follow that. I have friends of both staff, so I have no problem either way. So I tell you, I'm all for that if that does happen. And, and folks, you, you can talk about and good as no Duke men's basketball coming to Austin. I'd be all on that. Oh yeah. Now, with that being said, we definitely would get a better brand of basketball overall in the state of Texas. I mean, it, it's, let's just be real. Because now you're, talking, you're not talking about cable or regional networks. You're talking about the networks, you know, on-air freebies. You know, getting games on, on them every night, seven days a week. We'll be getting basketball, a real basketball game, men's and women's. The only issue I have is once again, somebody has, say, has, has given Texas the, the okay to hold on to their network and their reasoning for moving would be based based around that particular revenue bearing well, mon- well, monstrosity. You bring up bring, bring up a good point. Now, it's, it's not known if the ACC schools like Duke and Carolina and NC State and Clemson would agree to the long ones keep a lot of their money without some sort of share. You know, that's so that that remains to be seen. All right, there's the point that. They make here an article on the website is that ESPN would get involved and boost the ACC TV contract to appease the current members of the ACC to allow Longhorns to keep their network. So that's what they are are surmising would have to take place. Okay, now, with that being said, let's just go to the real big gorilla and elephant in the room, ESPN. Is this, will that become a monopoly as far as broadcast? Or uh, when you, when you, uh, uh, well, we adjust the numbers. Well, we, we know this. When it comes to basketball, ESPN loves Duke. ESPN, ESPN2, ESPNU. Every, it seems like every Duke men's basketball game is on TV. So, I mean, Duke is a, Duke is a global brand in terms of men's basketball. And North Carolina is on, on TV a lot. Football-wise, Florida State seems like they're back on the upswing. ESPN would love that. They used to be on TV all the time, ESPN all the time in the 90s. So there's possibility that ESPN could get their paws into ACC's, you know. So at some point it makes sense. Oklahoma going to the Pac-12. I heard saw some writings that some of the member schools are not thrilled with Oklahoma's academic record. So there's all kinds of reasons this, that, and other, and all this stuff is fluid, and you know, who knows? I mean, I've read also some stuff that the Big 12, because of the current TV contract, will still exist because of financially and legally, it will cost ESPN too much money to break up the Big 12 you know, as it is right now. They'd have to add some teams, and may add U of H and SMU, and it may be a watered-down Big 12 for two years to three years, but it will still be a Big 12. Okay. There's all kinds of, you know, we got Missouri going to the SEC and Kansas and Kansas State going to the Big East. And but that, okay, now, the, the, the irrelevant 
football school and a house that going who knows where. Uh, that ain't that ain't in the in the steel. And Baylor going somewhere who knows. What because of our states, Kansas, Kansas State's basketball revenue bearing that they care, both men and women, especially at uh, at, at our state. Will that allow them to like to move to a situation of uh, the Big East, uh, the Big Twelve, uh, which will most likely become the Big Fourteen, which is not a Big Ten? Well, I can't. Who knows? All we're, all we're doing is speculating and, okay. and making opinions, just, offering opinions just, based on the information we've heard and read. Who? I mean, it, it really is. It's changing almost every day. Over the weekend, the Longhorns were going to the Pac-12. Longhorns met with Oklahoma about keeping the students in the Big 12. And you know, I probably Oklahoma going to the Pac-12. Now we're talking about Texas going to the ACC. Who the hell knows where this stuff is all going to pan out? I mean, all we really can do is sit and wait and know that, God willing, we will be covering teams regardless. We just don't know what conference we'll be, <laughs> be affiliated. Yeah, because yeah. now this brings up to... Football media day, two years in a row on the uh, uh, on for football, but basketball wise, we really percent because now it's just like this. You just some basis dropping in everybody's lap now. Now you got a a, a a coaching staff that's not accustomed to having to answer questions outside of the sport um, because. We're starting to hear a lot more from Bill Self than we've ever heard from him speaking. You know, Bill Finley, who was a former uh, uh, coach, uh, uh, president of the uh, uh, Coaches Association, on his basketball, he, he, he definitely has something to say about a lot of things. And when you put a microphone in his face, he and Gary Blair, you basically better have to sit on the stand because if you're holding it, you're going to be there a while. But it's true. I mean, women's basketball coaches, women's basketball, is an afterthought in all these, all these, these discussions. Uh, men's basketball is, is even an, an afterthought to a, a, you know, to a certain, extent. certain extent. But it depends on the conference and the, and the program. Right. You know, our, our colleague, um, Andy Katz, has written, they had a little roundtable discussion on ESPN.com about what the impact, what they think the impact is going to be on men's basketball with all these discussions of super conferences. That panel, didn't. they don't believe the super conferences are as quick to occur as some people do. They think it's, you know, if it happens, it'll be much further down the, the line because there's so many egos involved. They believe in the basketball Possibly. But there's so many, but there's so many different egos involved in, we're talking about 64 different uh, presidents, you know, board of regents, grouping, board of directors, what have you, trying to make decisions for for whatever they perceive is in their best interest, which is probably they just want their most money. Thank you. you. Know, and that's what it's going to boil down to. So who, we'll, you know, who's offering what? I, I agree with you to an extent, but, you know, Katz and, the, and them, they, they bring up some interesting discussions. But it all boils down to, like I said earlier, we have no idea how this is all going to play out. You know, as, as a U of H alum, I would like for a U of H being in Big 12. But, hell, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. You know, two, in two years from now, they may be in another conference and when they go to the 4-16s. No. Well, one thing that I, I will phrase it this way. I've made contact with two different conferences, information that 
uh, it hasn't flowed, flowed out, but basically everybody is, is sitting and watching, but nobody's sitting still. Um, so the makeups that, you know, that's, that will be relevant will be more set out as what can you hold on to as far as a, uh, a regional situation, sort of like the, the Wagner Mountain West, I'll be like Conference USA where everybody's all over the place. Uh, and, and those three conferences will, will pretty much be left to decide what they want to do or how they want to be uh, recognized or evolve into most likely two conferences that will suit everybody involved as to where financially where they can, they, they can survive, continue to survive over a long haul, not a, not a short, because right now five years is a short time. Because over the last five years, a lot of kings have moved. It's almost like kids transferring, right? Yeah. You know, this is you know, I'm not happy, so I'm gone. Right. And you bring up a good point talking about regions and you know the ge- geographic locations that make sense, which the non big time program, right. non big time conferences need non, to do. Non BCS. Well, I, I didn't want to say BCS because who knows what that's going to be, you know. But but and I think I, I really think that's going to decide how the makeups get done. You'll have an East Coast and a West Coast, and you you figure out what to do with those teams in the, in between. East, West, North, South. Appalachian Mountains and the Rockies. And folks, you you gotta if you've been around football a while, you and know the geography. You know that's the next set of of, of schools that are, that are in between, because East and West of the Mississippi, you can't use that as a as a as a uh, uh, as a dividing line anymore. It's, it's too many schools involved, too many people looking at money. Well, let's real quickly, and we and we're going. We can talk about this, do this for who knows how long. Let's let's talk about your favorite subject because well, we're going to do two things. One, I just want to touch on the uh, two big time verbal commitments that U of H got oh, on Sunday, folks, from uh, Daniel House uh, from High Town High School and then Rad Chicken Nose, go about Chicken Chicken Nose uh, from he's homeschool kid. Yeah. Um, Chicken tells me he's 6'10, some side listen to 6'9, he's 6'10, 180, so I say he's 190, whatever. Daniel House is 6'7, like about 200 pounds. Both are ranked top 50 in the country, depends on what service you, what site do you go by. So, some say Daniel's 15, Chicken's 56, whatever. It's two of the biggest kids in the program that they've had since the days of old. Without a doubt. It's, and I was there at the, it took place at Rucker on Woods, open gym setting. Uh, for a Houston area high school boys to get together and compete against each other. Uh, the announcement was made. Uh, media was, my handful of media was there. When those two young men put on those U-Base caps, I felt good as a Cougar alum because, and then speaking to them afterwards, they talked about wanting to return the program to tradition and bringing back five-time pajama. You know, to see these two guys we're talking about, 17-year-old kids, talking about bringing back tradition to five-time pajama, they were even around when that was when, when Akeem and Clyde were and Michael Young were wreaking havoc on, across the nation and Coach Lewis tossing up the uh tile and winning basketball games and kicking butt. But to see Yeah, I was kicking butt back in the day and Coach the uh, Coach Dickey and Coach Brooks and Coach Mal and Coach Robinson doing what they said they were gonna do when they were brought in. They said they were gonna recruit the Houston area kids and the, the top level kids and they were not going to just 
assume that those top level kids did not want to come to U of H. They've done their job, they've done the work, they talked to the kids. We both, you and I know uh, that uh, Daniel and Chicken's AU coach Marlon, we've known Marlon for years, and Marlon said uh, he, he commended the U of H staff for doing their job and being persistent to get the local kids to come to U of H. So they're both class 2012, so it's a good, it's a positive sign for U of H that there's a lot of other positive with the football program, the, the buildings going up around campus, uh, hopefully the the uh, football stadium finally, you know, puts over in the ground and get that done probably in the springtime of 2012. A lot of positives for University of Houston Athletics. From that positive to the ridiculous of the NBA lockout. <clears throat> I don't want to get into gloom and doom because I've, I've, I mean, yesterday, I'm just back up a little bit. Yeah. Yesterday, and folks, let me remind everybody, of course, I'm KG, and this is the KG and the Fifth Wildcat Podcast. I uh, hope you enjoy it. We talked about a lot of different sports topics today because we're, we're versatile, yeah, and that's what we do. And to uh, paraphrase Carmelo Anthony, we do this. Yeah. NBA met five hours yesterday. Uh, the owners met with the Player Association. So they came out afterwards, executive Billy Hunter made a quote uh, that's going around the Internet saying that they've advised the players to be prepared to miss half the season before we get a deal done. David Stern, Adam Silver, his side, wasn't as negative um, as the players were. Not even sure who to believe here. Yesterday, uh, some of the writers talking about, hey, this is bad, this looks bad, it's, it's, it's horrible, it's game won't start on time. Then a handful of guys said, this is all posturing. This is this is all part of the dance and part of negotiating. Things will still get done. Chris Sheridan, God bless him. Chris Sheridan, it continues to believe this league will start on time. It will be a 42-game season. He's, he's maintained this position, my goodness, for this whole year. And I, I commend him for it. He is a well-connected basketball writer. So he is still, he gives me hope. His positivity and his reasons for his positivity give me hope. I'm not sure, you know, I have hope. And whether I believe that hope is going to still come to fruition, I have doubts. Now we've got somebody talking about the agents, the player agents, want to vote Billy Hunter out and want to decertify the union and basically talk about a mutiny. And, you know, want players to get Billy Hunter out. And they want to decertify because they think that's going to give them more leverage against the owners. All it's going to do is drag out the process more. You know, yes, you and I both know that the owners want to break the union. We know that. We've known that for two years. But if you if, if my, my friend, and all the reason I'm stepping in now is because he brought up a subject that I just, just, just broke me, just bothers the hell out of me, that when guys start talking about decertifying the union without knowing what, what that means. Decertifying the union means you have no vote. You basically right. got to get a bunch of guys now together in a quorum, a forum, you gotta have to put then you gotta put leaders in, in, in position and then you go and then you go to the table because I'm gonna tell you management does not talk to just one person right they want to know who's speaking for everybody that's involved the, too many guys are listening to some nutty buddy and that's what I'm that's because you now you're messing with income and you know around the area I know too, too, both of us have too many friends and all that working these these sporting arenas and all and and that they are income and their households under positions right now. And you that's money that you know, fun, funds helpmates part time situation that you're looking for to, to help you with you know, whatever's going on at home. 
just answer this question. I know you've checked tonight, and this is my last time breaking into you. No, 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 fine. That's okay. what we do. <clears throat> I read, first I heard it. Then I went online and I read it. And I asked you this morning, that's the first thing I left my mind was, how can you tell me that you broke or what I feel like this, that you're not making money? But you paying out checks to folks that I, that I, the three that I saw were two guys that sit on the bench now. We talking about people that sit on the bench. Like Eddie Carey? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Eddie, I'm going to mention his name. Mm-hmm. He getting a $900,000, almost a million dollars sitting in his fat, say it, fat, funky butt at home. <laughs> you know, he knows, you know, and it's, yeah, I said it, but how can you sit, how can you complain when you sit at home and you collect almost a million dollars? And, uh, and, and somebody said that they are not making profit or they don't have profit because when you're a homeowner and you're not getting the income, you make you, you make deals and all. You, you call, make a phone call and says, look, funds a little low, we slow pay, uh, you only get half of it this month or whatever. And then you said, can you, you know, can you make it, can you wait? But you paying out before training camp gets started before the, the league gets started and it's all public because when you start handing out checks you gotta let folks know you sending checks out because somebody's on the bank's gonna say oh you got money you, you know your bills yeah. get paid well, okay now and, yeah. well, explain to me what what transpired what as, as best as best I can um so what the Wildcat is referencing referring to this week, I believe the payment started this week. Yeah. The NBA owners total wrote or writing checks to every player, every NBA player. The checks total one hundred sixty-one million dollars. That's eight percent of each player's salary that was withheld from their paychecks, according to the NBA's escrow tax system. So it's based on. Uh, the amount of basketball later income fifty seven percent that that eight percent of this payroll eight percent of their salaries was withheld to order to ensure that the BRI would not exceed fifty seven percent. For the first time under this agreement, these checks are being paid out. So naturally the players are saying, Well this is not the system must not be broken if we are receiving checks back, you know, from in the escrow. It's the first time it's happened, uh, and I want to even make you a little bit more perturbed. The league also sent an additional $26 million to the union to satisfy its obligation to pay out the 57% of basketball-related income. So, wait, 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 hold on, hold on. So, that, you know, that's a, uh, so basically the, the league is paid pay back to the players. So they sent two big checks. $187 million. Dollars. Well, you know, no, it's each check. Each player's getting a check. Yeah. So, and, and the union is keeping that $26 million based on basically like a, a war chest. So that, that money's not going anywhere. <laughs> so, but every guy, this, okay, every guy, everybody that's all, that's receives 8% of their check back. I thought I'll ask this way. Everybody that was in the league. They're salary back. That was in the league on uh, on a team salary wise, or the free agent or whatever that finished the season, that guy got a check. Yeah, like, they, had, they had a contract. They got eight percent back of their uh, salary. So Rashawn Lewis got one point five million back. Eddie Curry, you mentioned, got nine hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars back. Kobe's check was 
you know, I don't know, two million dollars, whatever I mean, you know, I don't know. It's like, uh, one point nine eight million, so it's about two million dollars. So all those players got money back. So yes. That's another issue. And the, the irony of yesterday's meeting is the players agreed to lower their fifty seven percent of basketball related income to fifty four percent actually not fifty three percent, which shows some of the owners that wow the players really make a concession. So the owners, the big market owners, were like, hey, that sounds good. That's what we want. Once players to make concessions, to give back, give us back something. The small market owners say, that's not enough. We want we want more back. We want a hard salary cap. We are going to keep this going until the players crack. They're already starting to crack right now. So let's keep let's prolong this as long as we can until How? they have nothing left. So if that means no season, then so be it. That's where that's where the, the division is on the owner side. We have a division. This is something like this. Before I wrap it up, we have large market owners having beef with small market owners on the owner side. Player side now we have agents having beef with Billy Hunt. Isn't this great? This is America. College basketball started October 15th. This is America. Who are you, sir? This <laughs> I is folks, America. I can folks find you as we wrap it up <laughs> on that note. This is the fifth one wildcat. You can find me at www.kingsideview.com. Folks, college sports is what, what I do. And my compadre across the way is who? I'm KG of Houston Round Bar Review. My website is www.houstonroundbarreview.com. And professional basketball is what he does. When his college basketball is what he does. Pro basketball is what I do if there's pro basketball to cover. But if, if it doesn't happen, it's different than it was in 98. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm more, I'm more uh, diversified now that I can cover more things and have more stuff to talk about, write about. So if the NBA's gone in a few months, so what? Just like we were ready for, I was ready for college basketball, college football to be going on, and high school basketball football to be going on, folks. Got to find a way, because as we said in the earlier podcast, NBA ain't the NFL. So if they want to miss games yep. and, and chess fans loyalty, go ahead. Whatever. Uh, we're both of us are on Twitter. What's your hashtag? Uh, my hashtag is AKSV. D-C-S-R, got it right today. <laughs> and mine is T-H-E-H-R Review. Our podcast is also on YouTube. As mentioned earlier, it's also available on iTunes. We're going to wrap it up here. Thank you for listening. Tell all your friends about it. KD and the 5th Ward Wildcat, this is what we do. We talk about sports. We talk about a lot of different things as well in the sports world. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.